Thank you. Right. Are you suggesting that someone's trying to make a real-life sequel? Stat 2? Who'd want to do that? Sequels suck. No. Two in the box! Ready to go! We be fast and they be slow! Wow! A second Super Saiyan? Second in order, perhaps, but by no means in stature. Your fight is with me now. I'll have my revenge and Deathstalker, too. Man, I can't fucking believe this. Another basement, another elevator. How can the same shit happen to the same guy twice? Oh, please, please. By definition alone, there are fewer films. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode in October of Inside the Sequel. I'm your host, as always, Chris. And you know what we do here on this podcast. We talk about sequel movies that don't get enough love, think don't get enough attention, and uh, maybe cause some um, some tension between friends. Um, because today's episode, we are talking about the 2016, uh, I would say, smash hit sequel, The Purge Election Year. Warning, announcing the commencement of the annual purge. This July, have your voice be heard. I purged. I purged. Show your support. I purged because it's my civic duty. For the purge. I purge because staying in is an American. This is your emergency broadcast system announcing the commencement of the annual purge. The soul of our country is at stake. The Senator's going to win. She's going to make real changes. The purge has to come to an end. At the siren, all crime, including murder, will be legal for 12 hours. Senator, let's begin lockdown. All emergency services will be suspended. Your government thanks you for your participation. We're going to use this year's purge to do something about that, Senator. We're being hunted. Go, go, go. We are on our own. My God. How did it get to this? I purged to keep my country great. And with me on this episode, I'm very excited. I haven't had him on since we talked about um, the Avengers of Godzilla movies, <laughs> um, but <laughs> I have from the Atkins Undisputed podcast, he runs a 20, 20th century uh, movie fans t- uh, podcast through the Dana Buckler show. I have the one and only Michael Scott. Hey, Mike, hey, how's it going? Uh, good, man. How you doing? I'm great. Um, I just got done purging before this and I feel so much better. I feel calm. I don't have so much stress and anger at my work. You gotta unleash those unhealthy emotions, right? That's the whole point of the purge is we're all monsters and we, and we need to unleash those emotions. And so I I'm glad, I'm glad you did some purging, man. I think that's going to make this just a better episode. all around. Exactly. And you know what the purge does? Not only does it release these anxieties, it opens up opportunities just now. Um, the cobwebs podcast has a, as an, as an empty seat as the host. So I think I, I'm going to be able to be the host of the cobwebs podcast next now, man. I would have, <laughs> Urged that motherfucker a long time ago too, man. So I don't blame you. <laughs> if anyone were going to purge Daniel, it would be me. Uh, <laughs> but I love him, so I'm not going to purge. But man, dude, I'm so excited to have you on again, especially with a movie like this. 
we can go so many different ways with the, the purge movies, especially election year. And, um, but before we even get into that, man, it's been a while. What have you been up to? It's October. What have you been watching? I, I just know a lot of people want to know what you've been up to. So, uh, you know, for the most part, hanging out, but this is actually a good weekend to record because my wife was out of town this weekend. So I watched 19 movies in about <laughs> two and a half days. So because because, you know, when when Kelsey, my wife, Kelsey, used to go out of town, it used to be like, yeah, we're going to tear it up with the lads. Right. We're going <laughs> to yeah. go to the bar and we're going to I'm going to spend 48 hours drunk. And now I'm old. So it's <laughs> I sit on the couch and just binge watch movies. Um, and so I've I've watched uh just a ton i i i've really kind of knocked out my october list uh, <laughs> of what i wanted to do um That's awesome. and, and, yeah so october's been going good you know it started off rough um i was talking to our friend matt bledsoe mm -hmm. uh a film feast podcast about yeah. that, that i felt like for the first part of the month i just watched a bunch of not even bad movies just mediocre ass horror movies just two star uh you know to quote my friend patrick bromley blah 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 it's a horror movie like <laughs> like literally that, like that was the only way i could describe a bunch of them and so i went to my old standby which is hong kong cinema and have watched <laughs> some bonkers awesome shit i watched uh one of the first Sammo Hung movies called Encounters of the Spooky Kind, which is brilliant. I watched one called Mr. Vampire. And Chris, if you've never seen Chinese vampire movies, they hop. And you need hopping vampires in your life. Like they literally <laughs> come after you with their arms out hopping at you, and it's glorious. Nice. Uh yeah. So other than that, you know, same old, same old. I'm curious, do you watch are you watching these through a streaming or do you buy the like the the imported DVDs that go for a lot of money? Or are you going on the the subreddits of Hong Kong cinema where they create the bootleg Blu-rays with their custom covers and you just you know create a username and just buy them that way? Little bit of all of the above, <laughs> depending on uh, most of them are ones that I own. Um, because I've been collecting Hong Kong movies for years. Uh, some of them uh, a lot of them I actually don't have, but before I had to get rid of them, I ripped them. So a lot of uh -huh. them were, were my own rips that were sitting on my hard drive. Um, nice. Mr. Vampire, I actually just bought the five-disc box set from had that imported from hong kong and watched that to the first one of those so you know when you're a hong kong cinema fan you kind of have to see them where you can because the they go out of print so much there that you kind of just have to get them however you can get them mm, yeah i totally get that martial arts movies i know this is october but i want to talk because you know you're kind of like the guy for that kind of stuff. You know, besides Daniel is my only other outlet for like knowing more about martial arts movies and Hong Kong stuff. But um, when it comes to like, I'm a big, I'm not a big, but um, when it comes to martial arts, movies, I like Bruce Lee movies and like just the, the type of weirdo I am. I'm just like not wanting to buy the Bruce Lee Criterion box set. So I went the other route and bought the Scream Factory Bruce Lee movies that they put out years ago that were long out of print. And uh, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to be a little different. Maybe, you know, I'm just a different build. I'm just going to try and buy these Bruce Lee movies individually through Screen Factory secondhand because I'm, a, I'm, I'm a, like one of those OG Blu-ray collectors, you know? I'm not just going to easily go to Barnes & Noble and just snag it, you know? I don't know. I'm kind of a D-bag for that, but I, well, I noticed... I <laughs> 
hilarious when the Criterion, and I have both the Scream Factory and the Criterion set, but I thought it was hilarious when people flip their shit over the Criterion set. And I'm like, yeah, no, Scream Factory just put this out like three or four years ago, right? Like this yeah. is, and that is one thing to bring up with sort of, because Criterion's been getting into Hong Kong stuff more. You know, they've put out Police Story mm-hmm. and Ridley set, and they just put out Johnny Toe's Throwdown. Um, they're not doing those. Those are all from eureka mostly uh like the throwdown disc is identical to the eureka disc that came out last year like all criterion's doing is licensing those um Mm -hmm. so people all the people who are like oh my precious criterions i love them so much i will only buy it if it's on criterion yeah you're buying a disc that's already been out right especially (laughs) when you throw in enter the dragon i'm like that's the warner brothers disc i'm almost positive it is Yeah. yeah Um, but yeah, but they, that box set does not have the French, uh, not the French, the Chinese connection, um, which you can get through the Shout Select release that they came out, which I do own for clout purposes. I have to say that. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, ex- I, I'm not really into like uh, Hong Kong movies, or but I really like Bruce Lee and I like those uh, Jackie Chan movies um, when I can get my hands on them and watch them. I like watching Drunken Master and getting drunk. Um, it's one of my favorite activities to do. That's- it's the only way to watch that movie, right? <laughs> you have to drink basically when Jackie drinks. Like that's how you do it. You you if he's drinking, you're drinking. Um, but so I've been low-key stocking that letterbox because that's the th- way to do things these days. You don't go on Facebook or Twitter, you 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 go on people's letterbox and you stalk them. And uh, I have seen some of these movies and uh, that you've not seen them, but I have noticed you've been rating them the way you have, and I'm like. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of horror movies being put out during this time, especially if you go into streaming services too, you know? Like, it's so, like, Hubie Halloween was a year ago. You know, I'm surprised we haven't gotten, like, this month's Hubie Halloween. You know what I mean? I feel like there's always something like that. Yeah, we really haven't. You know, I think part of it was, I kind of feel like this year's Hubie Halloween would have been Fear Street, except Netflix released it three months ago. (laughs) Because I kind of feel like if they had released Fear Street in October, everybody would have been really like all in on that um but but yeah it's been a lot of really mediocre ass shit (laughs) like just none of it's bad but it's all just kind of it's there uh and and i i was starting to think it was a me problem like maybe (laughs) i kind of not feeling horror this year uh you know i've had some stuff going on in my life and i was like maybe i just am not feeling horror but then you know, when I find like a good one, I'm like, no, it's not a me problem. These movies are just like bland and and boring. Um, so much of American horror right now just feels like it's the same thing, only tweaked like 10%. Uh, you know, it's all some variation of some A24 <laughs> brief drama or some variation of some... I grew up in the eighties and I can't get fucking past it. And so I'm just going to try and replicate that. Except I didn't actually grow up in the eighties. I grew up in the nineties and I'm replicating what I think eighties movies look like. Um, Yes. I'm calling you out stranger things. Uh, I grew up in the eighties and I'm fucking assure you that's not what the eighties look like. Um, And, you know, and so it's just, it just gets boring after a while. So that's why I had to start like branching out to not just, Hong Kong, but, you know, Indonesia and even like Russia and just stuff like that, just trying to find somebody doing something different so that I didn't just drive pencils in my eyes watching. 
I share your strain with like uh, with the whole mock you a two four thing, and uh, you and Roman and Tyler uh, would totally get along when it comes to nostalgia in like the eighties ripoffs that we're getting a lot these days. As someone who's not from the eighties, but only just pieces what he thinks he knows from film, um, yeah, that nostalgia factor is such an interesting little hook that can make a movie work or not, you know, depending on the audience. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing with most of those 80s, those 80s movies is they're not actually made for me. They're made for you. They're made for somebody who's 20 years younger than me uh, that has this idea in their head what the 80s look like, where it's all neon and synth scores. And, you know, and it's like, no, not really. I mean, that's that's not really what it was like we were watching family ties every night and the cosby show like you know it wasn't this weird neon glow type of environment and so um they're made for you and daniel and people your age (laughs) and and so that's why most of the time i just kind of skip over them because i'm just like "Eh, they're not for me i'm not and that's fine i'm not the target audience for them Mm -hmm. so um it's just when something blows up like say stranger things or like what the astron six guys do (laughs) i kind of have to watch them because i want to know what people are talking about and then i just get annoyed yeah it's that's how i felt with malignant it's like i got to see what everyone's talking about and then i got annoyed (laughs) now now we're fighting because that i absolutely love that so now 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 we're gonna tussle now now i know who's at the top of my purge list yeah like the people who like with malignant it was like that's such a based movie like it's it's mid at best like it's it's a cute little movie to go on hbo max before dune comes on there but you should go see dune in theaters of course also that's what i was going to really say this october feels weird because it feels it's fitting because it feels like a mashup like frankenstein but a lot of good horror movies came out just before october like Candyman, and then in october it feels like it's all bond and then it's like Dune coming out this month, you know, and it's like, where's the room for Halloween kills is in the 15th of October instead of on Halloween itself, or at least the day of before. And then that last night in Soho is barely getting that much talk when it should be one of the biggest spots of the, of the month. You know, it just, it feels so weird that October doesn't feel as jam packed with just horror, but like these huge properties that are just dropping off like a month before they're supposed to. Yeah, yeah, it, it is a bit weird that way. And I do wonder if that was, you know, obviously we're in a weird time where mm. everybody's juggling. All, I mean, even like Venom moved like <laughs> three times in the month of October, like it was supposed to open at the end of October and then the beginning and then back. And, you know, and so I think a lot of these smaller horror movies have just decided we're just going to clear out because we know that Venom and No Time to Die are going to be the big dogs. Um, and I guess technically Halloween kills. Um, but yeah, it doesn't feel like we've gotten that like deluge of, and, and even a lot of, you know, you can usually the good old reliable shutter with their shutter originals. Mm-hmm. I feel like their, their originals this month have been not that impressive and Netflix's originals have been not that impressive. And, and so it's just sort of this weird, it's a weird month this mm-hmm. year um, that doesn't feel, which is, I guess, good in a lot of ways because it gives people some chance to check out some older stuff that that's what I've been doing is nice. you know, checking out some stuff that I've missed, uh, you know, because everything that I've watched this year that's new to me that was made in the last two years has been just 
completely disappointing to me. Um, <laughs> even, you know, I, this is one for as much as, you know, you and I are going to disagree on a, on malignant <laughs> one that everybody flipped their shit for this year was the empty man. And I watched it and I was like, that was two and a half hours for that to like end up where that movie ended up. Um, it just, it was not for me. And I, I kind of feel like that's how a lot of stuff I've watched this month has been. You see, it, for me, it's hard to just judge movies at all now since I guess March. For me, March was the best year um, in the last couple of years. I mean, you get Kong versus Godzilla and Zack Snyder's Justice League. It's like, I mean, basically cinema's ruined for me now from then on. Like nothing's going to reach those highs for me anymore. So I might as well just settle. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, live in that month, man. Just live in it. Let's just be like, this is as good as it's going to get. Like, yeah, let me just tell you all. I knew where I was in the month of March when these two things dropped on HBO Max and I sold my soul to that company's streaming service. Like, good God. <laughs> I, uh, but, you, you know, I just, but the big thing I was just trying to get a circle back to is that it just feels like, and I know we're in a pandemic and it's tough to like plan these things, but I really... One thing that was the big, because people are talking about what theaters are going to be like with streaming services and yada, yada. But I really, the big thing I miss are the events and the themes of movies being released. Because I always thought, I didn't see these movies in theaters, but the Purge movies, especially this one, was angled at that release date of like the 4th of July. And um, Halloween 2018 in the month of October, at the end of October, was a big thing. You know, these Christmas movies dropping, Little Women was like, had themes of Christmas and it came out. Um, just to name a few things, like those summer blockbusters. But yeah, the I miss those, like the themes of movies releasing near a holiday or something. I, I miss that. And uh, I remember where I was when I saw the Purge election year theme um, trailer. And I remember seeing it being on July 4th and laughing and thinking, oh my God, they're not even thinking about being on the nose. They want to be the whole damn face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we'll get into them, but obviously, I mean, that's a perfect way of describing the Purge movies in general, right? They want to mm -hmm. be the whole damn face. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That, that as they have carved out July 4th as like the Purge, I think starting with, I want to say anarchy. Uh, they've all come out on July 4th. I know at least election year, the first purge and uh, the forever purge all came out, uh, whatever that, you know, whatever the release day around July 4th is, um, because they've kind of carved that out as like, that's the purge holiday now. Yeah. And I, and you know, people, you know, what's weird the, before we even get into purge election, you're just, just the purge as a franchise. It feels like I didn't like it on paper and what I saw because I was like, oh, these movies, they just seem like they're giving, you know, silly, ridiculous people who want to have these crazy, basically the um, the deep state thinkers, the 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 Alex Jones types, you know, not to offend anybody, but these movies felt like this was the thinking man's movie for them. This was like their kind of like oh, you know, what's crazy, if we did have a purge, it could actually work, you know? And that's what these movies felt like. It's like, it's just going to give people ideas and it's just, I don't like that. And then, it, you know, I thought they were harder, like something like Assassination Nation would be like, but even Assassination Nation is not even that hard. Um, but it, it kind of felt like of that same strain. And going through the movies in a one, basically the first three in one night and then the fourth one the next morning, um, I can safely say 
this is one of those movies like I wish I got to see in theaters and see what the reactions were because I had a good ass time watching these movies like Mike like yeah <laughs> like, yeah, it- think about all the good the purge does because they did good for me watching them <laughs> well and and that's the thing is there you know I get where you're coming from with your initial impression of it, but the reality is they're like the exact opposite, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're like woke as fuck. Like the whole point of these movies is that like the purge is all about like eliminating the poor and eliminating minorities. And in almost every movie, your heroes are minorities and poor people disenfranchised people right like like they're literally the exact opposite of what your initial impression of them was because it's all about the people fighting back against a corrupt totalitarian regime and the rich essentially Mm -hmm. um that's why i love them like above and beyond the fact that they're also just insanely kick-ass action movies like (laughs) they are this the smartest decision and we'll talk about it but the smartest decision this series made was after the first one going really starting with anarchy going full-blown action right casting frank grillo and being like we're just gonna let grillo fuck some shit up and then carrying that through with every other movie where they they cast these heroes and they're badasses and they're cool and they protect people they're almost kind of like weird like daredevil punisher <laughs> like superhero street level superhero movies right they like, feel like fast and furious in a way like kind of like grunt yeah. like early on they're kind of grungy they kind of get a little bit more over the top um but instead of cars it's um people with guns going through the streets <laughs> I, I like i'm with you man it feels like a bait and switch like people might think these movies are going to take a certain stance on something but it's totally the opposite effect but the nice thing is you know, we joke it. It's like, it's not trying to be smart on the nose. Like I thought it was. And the more I kept thinking, I was like, man, it's trying to be something, isn't it? But man, it just put like, it's in the real world, but it doesn't take itself serious. Like the real world, which I really like, you know, especially with the purge election year, which took place in a real election year. It's totally not trying to say anything, which I thought it was going to be full blown all about one specific thing. But it just keeps going with what it was setting the groundwork with, with the second movie and just keeps going with it. And then subtle little Easter eggs of the real world, like the ending. And uh, I was like, that's so smart. That's so good. Like, it makes me enjoy the movie that much more because it's not what I thought it was going to be. But it just went with, like, it put its heart on its sleeve and was like, this is what we are. I'm going to keep giving you more of it because Frank Grillo's in it again. And uh, it feels like he didn't acknowledge things from the second movie, <laughs> which I kind of liked. Um, but yeah. I, I really like this movie. I don't even know where to kind of start. I just, I wanted a chance to just be able to gush about uh, the Purge movies, especially election year. Um, Cause I know you said you really stand this one hard, eh? Yeah. Yeah. This is my favorite of the series because I think this is the one where everything that the Purge does well kind of all comes together. It's the one that I feel like hits the hardest sort of politically. Um, it hits uh, the hardest it doesn't have the best shot action uh, mm-hmm. of the series. Uh, I think that's probably the the fourth one, uh, the yeah. ironically named the first purge. Um, but I think it's got the most action of the series, and uh, it's got Grillo <laughs> being yeah. Grillo. 
Um, you know, and I'm, I'm really a big fan of Elizabeth Mitchell. I, I have always enjoyed her. I liked, loved her in Lost. I even loved her in that reboot of V that came out in like 2009. That's what I thought she was. Yeah. I was like, I, I know she was in Lost, but I thought that she was in another show. That's what it was. <laughs> you know, it's got, it's got Betty Gabriel from, uh, from Get Out being mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. equally as matching Grillo in Badassness. Um, yeah. you know, but- so. It's all about McKetty Williamson for me, though, is Joe Dixon. Yep. I was telling, I was watching this movie with my girlfriend, Charlie, and um, she was like, so what's the, because she's like, you're this big sequel guy. She was like, which I guess that's what I am. I'm this big sequel guy. Um, but she was like, so like, you know, tell me some things about, you know, the differences with like twos to threes and like ones to twos. And I was like, well, usually in the sequels, they're less well-written like the first, but they give you these sub characters, these minor characters that you end up attaching to for no reason. And then your heart gives out if something ever happens to them. And that's what Keddie Williamson's character is Joe Dixon for me. Yeah. He just wants to do, just wants to protect his deli. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, and, and, and that's the other thing about the, the, all of the purge movies, even going back to the first one, which I think is the worst of the series. Uh, even though I still like it. Going back to Ethan Hawke and Lena Headey and that, the thing with these movies is the actors bring it. They're not acting like they're in some genre exploitation movie. Like they are doing the work in these movies. And and so they're all better than they've got any business being because you've got all these actors basically just bringing high quality work and depth to these roles that aren't necessarily on the page. Um you know, it's like one of my favorite ones is is in Anarchy. It's a fucking bit part from Lakeith Stanfield, yeah. who's one of my favorite actors currently working. Yeah, and yet he he's got one speech, and yet he still is so Lakeith Stanfield in it that I'm like, how are you this good in the five minutes that you're in this movie? And it's because they're casting actors mm-hmm. that aren't big names. I mean, Ethan Hawke is by far and away the biggest name in the entire series. Uh, but they're all really good, reliable, quality actors. And that's smart filmmaking. Let your actors do their job and bring it. Yeah. And one thing real quick about the first Purge movie is I love how, which I had no idea what that movie was going to be like. Um, I like how the villain of that movie is just this frat guy and his friends. <laughs> that actor who played him is so good at being what he is in that movie. Reese Wakefield is his name. He's so good at being a douchey frat boy. Like, like the way he's talking to them where he's just, and, and that's, what's so funny is the first time I saw, I saw the first, that one, when it came out, I was thoroughly unimpressed because I thought the concept was so cool, but it was just this self-containing, so self-containing invasion thriller right now mm-hmm. in hindsight, it's because they didn't have the budget and, and, certainly the series has expanded to what I wanted that first one to be. And so I, I love going back and watching that first one now because I do feel like it's an important part of the story because it's already, it's up front there. I didn't notice it when I first saw it, but when, especially rewatching it this time, because I much like you, when I rewatched it, I watched the first four all mm-hmm. in one night. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, the way he's like talking to Ethan Hawke about, <laughs> 
we're, you know, we're of the same group and, and, and I trust that you will, will do what's right and put that human swine, you know, (laughs) give him to us because that's what the purge is about. And so I'm like, man, I didn't get it the first time I saw that movie, but you're still, even then they're going fucking hard on the like class warfare aspect of Mm -hmm. this concept. And, uh, and yeah, he's so good. He's so just sleazy. He just, you want to take a shower after. Yes. Yeah, I just like when he's like, please, sir, I just want to purge. And then he just shoots a random friend who yells. Yeah, he's like, I, I love that line when he goes, and just so you know, he was my friend. You are not. And you're just like, like you, you actually kind of get like chills. You're like, oh, you're a fucking psychopath. Yeah. Like you are. Awesome. Uh, I ain't it's weird I kept thinking because it's so noticeable these movies like the end credits are all different but up until the fourth one it even then the fourth one James DeMonico written wrote all four of the movies he directs the first three um which I think was a good change of pace with the fourth one um because I was kind of getting tired of the same kind of style but it's very rare. I don't know. Do you see this often with these kind of movies? That's te- technically a franchise now, where you just they stuck with the same writer and let him do what he wanted to do. The studio trusted him to do it. It's kind of like what Kevin Williamson was kind of like in the '90s. You know, it's kind of like these writer directors who do their own things, like you know, like Noah Baumbach, you know, Wes Anderson. These um you know, these really great directors, they get to write and direct their own things, and they keep getting money for it. But I mean, James DeMonaco, he out of nowhere kind of just got to do what he wanted to do for you know what five years (laughs) yeah i mean that's the thing is 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 like you know and he wrote the fifth one as well (laughs) and also wrote the tv series Um, this is his baby like this is um you know and i think that's the thing with the the first one is he had you know blumhouse is very much a they're like the old roger corman if you pitch him a good idea jason blum's gonna go like okay i'm gonna give you three million dollars if you can make it for three million dollars we'll put it out and he made it for three or five million dollars and it was a hit and so then he gets to go back and blum and that's the thing every single purge movie has actually been a financial success mm-hmm. because demonico brings them in on time and under budget and understands the scope so even four and five that he doesn't direct they still have that narrow scope needed for a movie that costs 10 million dollars to make um and and so yeah you have this really shared sense of this through line through all of them these themes all carry through all Mm -hmm. of them And, and that's the one thing i'm with you as far as kind of the style i that's one of the things i like about the fourth and fifth ones is he doesn't direct them mm-hmm. uh, because the one complaint I have about election years, I actually think the action scenes because election years, I think out of all of them, the one that's the most full blown action. And I don't think DeMonico's really that comfortable shooting action scenes. Uh, it's mm-hmm. pretty choppy. There's a lot of handheld camera work. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a big action editing nerd. <laughs> and, and, uh, there's a lot in that that I don't really like. And so I'm glad he handed off directing because i think the directors of four and five are much more comfortable shooting action so the action scenes in those two are far superior to the action scenes he needs to kind of do if he gets a chance he needs to be able to do like his own kind of horror movie you know because he can you can get some action in there it feels like um adam wingard like in that way where 
Adam Wingard can do action and do like he did with your next, you know, have little bits of horror elements to it. That's what I can see. Um, James DeMonaco kind of doing is, is kind of something a little bit more horror, something almost like how Fetty Alves kind of gets to do like his own kind of thing. And then that's it. Because like you said, with the action, I think he got away with the anarchy because it's a lot of slow-mo. It's a lot of almost hero shots of like bad guys doing bad things and then doing really long wides of moving vehicles before the actions get placed. You know, that's what an anarchy feels like. It's a lot of set pieces of like moving motion and it's not just straight hand to hand like in election year there's like that hand to hand scene near the end of the movie with joe grillo um it's very anticlimactic it's weird (laughs) it's because it's it's shot so so choppily you know it's it's definitely his decision to go with a lot more hand-to-hand combat, uh, which we know Grillo can do. I mean, I've seen a dozen Frank Grillo movies. Uh, I do I do have to shout out. I do love, though, that nobody says motherfucker like Frank Grillo because that during that last fight, when the guy's stabbing him in the chest and Grillo goes, oh, you motherfucker. <laughs> like, it's so good. It's so good. Like, like... If I got stabbed, I would be screaming and crying like a little girl. But Grill is just like, you motherfucker. Like, how dare you <laughs> stab me, you son of a bitch. Uh, like, so there's still a lot of good in it. But yeah, the way it's shot isn't, as much as it's my favorite movie in the series, it's not for the way the action is shot. No, but I will say what he, so, so the purge election year for those who haven't watched it it basically is like the purge movies as anybody for one night a year can just do whatever they want um for one night only it's like 12 hours and um yeah so people some people wear masks some people don't participate some people do um but the government is basically the ones who sanction it but they never participate um, so the first two movies, it kind of shows the perspective of like citizens doing it and those who don't, who get caught up in the crossfire of it all. And in the third one, you get a candidate. Oh, well, I love the opening to this movie, first of all, where it's this girl and her family tied up and bloodied where there's this like insane psychopath making a mixtape of how, about how to torture this family during the purge and she somehow survives and then has a career has a life in politics to end the purge, which I think is a great call to action. It is. And I didn't look up who did the voice for that, that guy purging them, but his voice is so creepy when it starts. Cause he's just like, I made this purge mixtape and I didn't know how to end it. But then I thought George Clinton, you know, and it's just like, he's so unnerving and creepy it, it it's probably my favorite opening in the entire series because yeah. it's you know that's the thing with the purge movies is they are action movies but they're also horror movies mm-hmm. uh and that is the most horrific opening of any of them as far as i'm concerned oh yeah it, it not and that was my problem with anarchy i know you like anarchy but for me it was like anarchy takes take way too long to get into things like i get the the, the first purge movie i get why you know it takes about 20 minutes to get into everything because it's self-containing it's building this world but in the second one it's taken a long ass time for the purge night to even begin but i will say the purge anarchy has maybe the most uncomfortable scene in all of the purge movies where the main character um girls father sells himself to a rich family 
Oh my God. That was just like a weird dark turn that we didn't get for the rest of the franchise. Well, and that's the thing. Again, these movies go hard, man. Like I forgot that was in, I actually thought that was in election year. I forgot that was in anarchy. I'm yeah. like, Demonico's not fucking around mm-hmm. with the point that he's trying to make. And you know, and you get the daughter, you get Carmen DeJogo's character saying, well, that's how the rich people purge, baby. They, yeah. they, they, people to come and let them kill them and it's like ah yeah the purge anarchy is an angry movie but it, it's like a great angry movie i i, I don't you, you know so angry like absolutely just furious and i think that was the thing i anarchy was not my favorite of the series and kind of until this rewatch and it's still not my favorite but i I have completely fallen in love with it still because this was the first time I really tapped watching them all so close together. Mm-hmm. This was the first time I really tapped into the anarchy is so angry. And, mm-hmm. and it's that anger from that one that's fueling the rest of the series. Yes. That is the one where Demonico is really fucking angry <laughs> and is going to let the world know that he's angry about the injustices in the world. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it just, it sets the tone in the election year, you know, it, this, the, 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 the main character, she's wanting to end the purge, but now for the first time, the government officials are now able to participate and be a part of the purge, which, you know, this is like we, we talk about, we think these movies are on the nose, but they luckily DeMonico knows like, no, we don't want to make these movies ultra realistic and, you know, give people things to think about and have ideas for, but they're like, you know what, let's just make it like the government. And I told, I, I kept thinking, this feels like RoboCop where it's like the uh, the Omnicorp Corporation owns Detroit, but they wouldn't, a company would never be able to own a whole city like they do in RoboCop. It's the same way the government runs the United States in these Purge movies. I don't know, man. Have you ever been to Seattle? <laughs> I'm trying to own Seattle. So, <laughs> and so that's, what, that's what's interesting is, not to get too political, but when the Purge movies started, I think 2013 was maybe yeah. the first um, it was kind of like, oh, these are really over the top. And then 2016 happened. And it's kind of like now it's sort of like, well, fuck, actually, the Purge movies are almost subtle, given what we're actually dealing like the Purge movies don't have a bunch of anti-vaxxers in that. <laughs> and so it's kind of like they're almost less ridiculous than the real world that we live in now. Yeah, Maybe, maybe, dude, maybe that's it. I'm just so desensitized in the world I live in now that the Purge movies seem goofy to me. Um, there are some scenes from 20, the purge election year that look like stills from like a couple months back, like from last year, I will say not to be political, but there are some unsettling moments where I'm like, Oh, this seems like familiar, but not in these movies for me. Um, but I was happy to see um, that it did take itself to like one stance or the other. It just said, we are movies and we want to have a good time. And this movie is on, you know, it came out July 1st, technically, but it was supposed to be for July 4th. And it builds up the world more. You get European people coming to purge. It's just grown into this circus. And this I, love, I love the idea of like purge tourists, right? <laughs> like, like that they're like, you know, like we go to Africa to do African safaris. So yep. why would people come here uh, to purge? Like, like, of course they would. Absolutely. <laughs> All I'm knowing is I'm never ever wanting to own a own own a shop where if somebody were to steal 
and they are so aggressive to me like the girls are to joe dixon in this movie i was like scared like to death of like kids younger than me and i was like if this if a kid talked to me like this they were here i'd let them do whatever the fuck they wanted to <laughs> and then ah oh, man this movie just it has like subtle moments where it's like this character said dialogue earlier in the movie and then when they show up for purge night they basically embody what they were saying or or hinting at you know and I it's like my candy cocksucker <laughs> Oh my God. It's just like all of them all decked out listening to Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus. I'm like, oh, that's so good because that song totally would be playing. The music choices in this movie are fucking chef's kiss. Like mm-hmm. they are perfect. And that is the pinnacle of it. When they roll up all decked out in gold with the, the gold lights on the car and they've got their gold plated fucking AKs and they're coming out to party in the USA. Oh my God. Like that is... That, and that is the thing with these movies is they are so visually striking as well uh, because the whole idea of all the purgers wear masks and it's like Halloween. They get mm-hmm. dressed up to go purging and they're so unsettling the yeah. way stuff comes together and the way they all look. I was going to say, you know, you know, spirit of Halloween, I see all these iconic horror monster masks. But, you know, you see a lot of purge masks, too, or things that could be used as purge things. And I maybe the purge movies helped them elevate Halloween just a little bit more than it had any business doing, because it does feel like I, gave, I think there's even a part in the movie where somebody says, like, you know what they say, the purge night, it's Halloween for adults, you know? Yeah, I mean, I've actually got a couple of purge. I mean, I before for listeners, before <laughs> I got on, I had a light up purge mask but i've got a couple of others that are actually from the movie uh like i've got it's in my halloween decorations but i've got lakeith stanfield's from oh nice written on it and stuff um yeah there's you can go to your local neighborhood spirit halloween store and get purge masks uh (laughs) so it it's definitely become kind of a a halloween icon i guess for lack of a better term because of all the masks and stuff like that Yeah, I just, I really think they did a good job of like keeping the movie grounded. And I feel like this movie's story was a lot better written as well than the Anarchy. Anarchy has a lot to say and it's really aggressive. But in this movie, I feel like, I think DeMonico really wanted to build the world more because it talks more about the the new founding fathers. It, It introduces like the hierarchy of like our ultimate villains, which aren't just, you know, people participating in the, in the purge as their, their God given right as an American citizen given to us by our new founding fathers spiel that they say throughout the movies. Um, But in this one, they're like, no, we want to expose who's actually running these things. And it's, it's not as dark as anarchy, but it's still oddly very dark and sometimes specific at the target um people who that he's almost insulting in a way and uh i i really enjoy it because it feels human and it feels believable even though it's a crazy over-the-top movie much of religious cultist you know it's like oh that's so good you know just the way they portrayed i I just they they feel so diabolical and evil and you just want them to just get their just like their just ends and um demonico he he get he, he works his time into it but the payoff is so good. <laughs> well, and that's, that's, again, that's the perfect thing that I love about these movies because one of the things, you know, when we started talking, I was talking about a bunch of 
horror movies that I watched that didn't do it for me is so much of horror is so fucking nihilistic. Mm -hmm. And the thing with the Purge movies is they always give you catharsis. They always give you that payoff. You leave a Purge movie, no matter how much horrific (laughs) shit you've gone through, you leave a Purge movie being like, fuck yeah like let's stick it to the nffa you know i mean that was the the every single one of them you leave feeling i think and i don't know maybe i'm broken in the head but i leave them (laughs) being in a better more optimistic mood than i was when i started because for all these dudes in suits in this room who are manipulating all this thing you know they can't they they don't factor Ethan Hawke and Frank Grillo and Elizabeth Mitchell and Yolanda Noel in the fourth one and Josh Lucas and, and Tina Quatera or Huerta in the, in the fifth one, you know, they don't factor the people who aren't going to take this shit lying down. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about the purge movies is they actually really kind of are optimistic movies that the good people, Joe Dixon is going to do the right thing. The good people are going to be good people, no matter whether you let other people purge or not. Mm-hmm. I, and you know, the movie, the, the purge election year, I think it could be considered like a, a criticism, but I think it was awesome how they did it was that the Senator was always like, no, we cannot do this to the, my, my, you know, the person I'm running against. I can't, we can't do what the movie, I don't want to ruin it too much for people, but the way she's just like, you can't go with what you're trying to do because I don't want it. You know, I have to trust in the system. And I kept thinking, bullshit, this is purge night. Who the fuck is going to care about the due process of a normal election? You know, but then I was thinking now that, you know, it would be too easy and it, it died. It, it really watered the movie down if it went that route. So I'm glad they're, they're doing it that way. You know, it's just kind yeah, of like a yeah, purge the purgers. I mean, <laughs> and, and they do they do make it work because they give a, we get we as the audience get the satisfaction because they give Elizabeth Mitchell the ability to take that high ground. But then they also give us Frank Grillo, who is <laughs> I'm didn't sign up for that. I'm just going to fucking kill everybody, you know? And so it's, it's, you get both, which is a tricky balancing act. You get to feel morally superior while also satiating your bloodlust. <laughs> I fucking love that. Like that's a good movie in my mind. <laughs> I need Joe Grillo in more movies after watching this. I was like, I'm not even kidding. I was like, fuck, I need to see more Joe Grillo movies. But you know what? Matter of fact, he needs to be in a fucking movie with uh, <laughs> with uh, Gerard Butler. Like, for some reason, I need to see these Top two. Shop. Top Shop just came out a couple months ago. And then it just came out. <laughs> yep. My new founding fathers heard what I needed and then they gave me this movie, which I haven't seen yet, but don't worry. I'm going to get around to it and I'm probably going to stand it because um, after it, it, watching Joe Grillo in these Purge movies is what I felt for Gerard Butler when I watched... Um, Oh God. Uh, what is that movie? Den of thieves. Like we're just like cinema, you know, like I can't explain it, but fucking just cinema. But anyway, what I was saying is they're tough guys. Uh, they're both great tough guys and we don't, we don't have a lot of great tough guys, like old school, like Lee Marvin tough guys anymore. And Grillo and Butler are definitely cutting that mold. Yeah. And I could see Gerard. I, I don't know if I want to see Gerard in a purge movie, but I think Joe Grillo is like, 
you know, especially at the end of his anarchy movie, I was like, I kind of want to see this character again. And then once I boot up election year, there he is right there. And I was like, oh my God, this movie's going to be so good. Only character other than Edwin Hodge who carries over between movies. Mm. Uh, Edwin Hodge, who plays Dante Bishop, who's the homeless guy that Ethan Hawke and Lena Headey save at the end of Mm -hmm. one and then he comes back. Uh, But he and Grillo are the only ones that have carried over. Uh, And just, I don't, I don't, I don't want you to get bad comments on Twitter. It's Frank Grillo, not Joe. Oh, Frank Grillo. (laughs) I said joke. (laughs) I don't, I don't, I don't want the Twitter. I don't want the Twitter monsters coming after you for that one. Well, they're probably going to get mad because I haven't seen like beyond skyline or whatever he's in, which I hear is a great movie that he's in. Great movie. Mm -hmm. And they're going to get, they're going to get mad at you for your malignant fucking more than anything. (laughs) Honestly, I think the Purge movies are all better than the Malignant movie, in my opinion. Uh, except maybe the first Purge movie, maybe not as, as good. I, I at the end of this, I need to I need to get a ranking because I, I kind of am comfortable with my rankings of these movies, but I haven't seen the newest one or the TV. So after the first purge movie, they made a purge five and then a TV show, or was five just the TV show? I'm no, kidding. no. So you've got you've got the purge, the purge anarchy, purge election year. After election year, they did two seasons of a TV show. Oh. Simultaneously with that, they released the first purge, and then just this year, the forever purge, which is the fifth movie, came out this summer. So you've got five movies and two seasons of a TV show. And I will admit I have not watched the TV show. Uh, so I cannot comment on it. I have heard from people that it's actually that the first season's kind of mediocre, but the second season actually feels like the purge. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I was kind of wondering, you know, so much of what I love about the purge movies is they're so efficient I was kind of like, I don't know that I really need a purge movie spread out to like 10 hours. <laughs> I haven't dug into them yet. I think I might actually this month because I'm on such a purge high right now. I might actually start checking out the series. These movies fucking, I don't know. Are they laced with something? Because like after each one, I was just like, fuck, let's watch the next one. Let's go to the next one. Let's keep going. I don't usually do that with franchises, but with the purge, I kind of was like that. It's really hard not to. Like I said, I did the same thing and I've seen all of these movies multiple times and I was still like, fuck it, let's just keep going, you know? And it, like six hours later, I'd gone through four Purge movies and it was two in the morning and I was like, yeah, that was a good night. I'm yeah. all right. Yeah. Like, yeah. And they're, hour, they're, they're an hour and a half, like uniformed. It's great. They're like waiting to be watched. Um, I really like these movies. I didn't dive too much of the special features on them, unfortunately, but I will say though, with election year, um, it's like I said earlier in this episode, it just feels like such a bait and switch. And I just can't help but encourage people to watch these Purge movies because I did really enjoy them. Um, Michael Scott, how would you rank the Purge movies though? Okay, so this is actually easy. Uh, (laughs) I'm very comfortable with my ranking. Election year is number one. Uh, the first purge is number two. Uh, the forever purge is number three. Purge anarchy is number four. And the purge is number five. Mm. Uh, I actually, it, I think that they get cinematically in terms of quality, 
frankly, I think they just get better each one that goes along. Like I actually think from sort of an objective standpoint, the forever purge is probably the best one, but I still stand by that. I think election year is the, uh, the one where all of DeMonico's, all of the things he wants to do, the, the sort of social commentary with the horror, with the kick-ass action, I think that's where it all comes together the most. I think it's the one that has the most to say, uh, and I think it's also the one that is just, for me, the most fun to watch. Like, mm-hmm. I could watch election year any day of the week. <laughs> twice on Sundays yeah and that's <laughs> nice for such a religious movie um yeah I think mine would go because I haven't seen the fifth one but mine would go the first purge so the fourth movie then an election year and then I would say anarchy and then the the original purge movie yeah I really I I really like the first purge a lot so I mean when I'm saying it's election year and the first purge we're talking mm-hmm. You know, they're 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 not very far apart. I, I really was because when the first purge, because I saw the first purge, I didn't see it in theater, but I saw it the day it came out on mm-hmm. VOD. And uh I really wasn't, you know, knowing that Demonica wasn't directing it, I was kind of like uh, and knowing that Grillo wasn't back. Mm-hmm. And uh I was unprepared for how much I liked that movie, <laughs> uh, especially because Yolan Noel as dimitri in that is so fucking good yes there's that whole fight scene where they drop the green smoke and he and his people are coming out of the green smoke and killing all the purgers (laughs) and uh you get like some fucking john wick style gunplay in there where he's he's got the two submachine guns and stuff like it's so fucking good. It's such a good movie. Um, I think objectively, it's probably actually, it's definitely better than election year. I just have such a, because election year is the one that really turned me into a purge fan. I was not sold on the first one. I thought anarchy was okay. And then it was when I saw election year and I was like, Oh no, I think I fucking love this series. Mm -hmm. So that's always going to be number one in my heart. But yeah, if people listening haven't seen the first purge, not to be confused with the original Purge naming <laughs> uh, convention. Um, really check it out because it's real fucking yeah. good. It's really good. It's top. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the first Purge movie, um, I just love Dimitri's character. I love when he's just like, hey, what can I say? I just don't know how to die. And I'm like, ooh, like it's a cool killer lines in this movie. That's awesome. And yeah, these movies, they just feel like they're paying a lot of homage. It kind of has the evil dead effect with these the first three Purge movies where, yeah, the first one's good, you know, but the second movie is basically a remake of the first, but expanded more, you know, and it has like a little bit more of color in it. And then uh, the third one is completely its own type of animal in a way, kind of like how Army of Darkness was. Um, not as good as the evil dead movies, and I don't want to talk to them the first Evil Dead, like, you know, I don't like it because it is an amazing film. But um, it kind of has that effect where they just get better and crazier and wild yeah. as they go on. Yeah, I mean, everybody that knows me knows I ride or die for the Evil Dead series. So I'm not mm-hmm. saying, I'm with you. I'm not saying the Purge series is as good, but there is definitely a a vibe there where each movie, both as, whether it's as a director or just as a writer, you can fill... James DeMonaco getting more confident, more assured of what he wants to say and how he wants to say it. 
uh, the same way you can see Sam Raimi doing that through the Evil Dead movies to where, yeah, you're by the time you're getting to the fifth one, you're not even really getting the Purge movies anymore. You're now sort of getting like fucking Darkman and shit. <laughs> You know, that's how confident the fifth one is as a movie is, is it's completely self-assured in what it wants to say and how it wants to say it. The fifth uh, one scares me because it looks like a Western and I, I can't have my purge be tainted with a Western. It takes place. <laughs> not a Western. Um, it's it's not at all. Uh, it's it's a purge movie. It feels just at home with as a purge movie. Um, you'll like it just fine. Man, I really want to recommend to some of my religious religious friends, you should watch the Purge movies and see what you think and then get a different perspective of it. Um, but uh, yeah, this movie, I can't remember, but like I know there was a lot of movies that had like these crazy like upright, like I think like Assassination Nation. I can think of like a couple, I'm trying to think because that movie, that movie's uprising is because it's in Salem, Massachusetts. You know, like you get these movies that have like these crazy parts where things like where society couldn't like rise up and like go crazy but they end up doing i also think of something like climax from gaspar noe where it's like the movie gets consistently ramped up and insane and crazy you just can't really believe what's going on and it's almost too much for you um i kind of thought i wouldn't like those kind of movies because i don't want to feel like it but those three movies i just said um i really like those movies and they do a really good job of containing all of that craziness and um again you think of something like Climax, um, Gaspar Noe, people probably thought that movie was going to be like irreversible, you know, and just absolutely insanely dark and crazy. Same thing. I remember the assassination nation. I thought people were going to be like, I remember people thinking, Oh, the movie's too woke. The movie is just this and that and that. And it, when I watched it, it was totally not what people were saying like that at all. And I remember that with the purge movies and, um, I need to stop getting these. Well, thankfully with letterbox, now I don't have to fall into that pit trap, but I, I feel like there's some, there's a big untapped audience that haven't watched these purge movies like this. I can't remember a time where it was like audiences were so craving to see the next purge movie. Cause these movies, like you said, they made money and money. And like, it's kind of like the paranormal activity effect in a way where they kept making more and more movies. But the difference between the two was paranormal activity just never fucking changed. <laughs> It's yeah, like saw, ones. saw kind of the same way, right? Like they never really changed. And that's the, that's the, the greatest thing about the purge is that the concept is brilliant. The idea of the purge is brilliant. And so you can constantly, I mean, you could do a romantic comedy set in the purge universe, right? <laughs> you could do, a courtroom drama. How do you deal with the legal ramifications of the purge? You could do serious family dramas. Like there's no genre that you can't slide into the purge world. And so I think that that makes them, I think that's why people keep coming back is even though the movies are ultimately all action movies, they're so versatile in that, you know, the first purge is set on Staten Island and it's basically an homage to, you know, black exploitation movies. Uh, also, it's like, um, oh God, I, I didn't mean to interject and then be like that. It, um, Escape from New York is what yeah, I got the vibes yeah, of. Yeah, they're they're trapped, you know, and you've got, and then the Forever Purge, like, yeah, it's not a Western, but it definitely <laughs> is Western vibes because it's set in Texas or New Mexico. And, ah. you know, and so you're getting, you know, 
you're getting a whole different and the whole thing like the forever per or the first purge you're getting sort of urban black american experiences with the purge and in the forever purge you're getting uh hispanic and, and latinx immigrant uh experiences Ooh. with the purge you know i mean that's like one of the big things in the fifth one is because a bunch of people decide to not stop purging uh Mexico actually opens their borders to us to, to <laughs> run Mexico to escape the purge. And so again, I mean, it, it ain't on the nose. It's it's the whole fucking face here. Yeah. But but it's it's great because it the concept allows Demonico and the rest of his team and his people to play with so many different ideas and concepts uh, that you know, honestly, they could make these movies for the next 30 years uh, if they wanted to. Like, we'll probably have an actual purge in America. <laughs> stop making the purge movies. Bro, you uh, never see a purge? Go to Barnes & Noble in July, November. You will see yeah, a bunch exactly. of virgin exactly. people purging. Yep. It's insane. Yep. Yeah, Black Friday is already the purge, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, it's not that big of a reach. Um, but that's that's what I why I think unlike Paranormal Activity or Saw, which just seem to go over the same ground again and again and again, these movies can be refreshed. They can stay topical. They can stay interesting. They can take different angles, uh, and that's part of what I love about them. This is why the pur- people need to start remembering what good the Purge does bring. You know. Blessed be America, a nation reborn. Yes. Oh, good God. I love it. I love it. I just, it's just one of those weird ones for me that I just got to sink my teeth into and I just never want to let go. You know, just like, I'm like a rabid dog. I'm just like gnawing at it. Like, I I just really enjoy these movies. My big question is, which boutique label is going to be the first one to release all of them in a collection? Yeah, that would be (laughs) awesome, right? I mean, right now they're still kind of big budget. You know, Universal has the, the, but I would love, I would love a boutique label to get their hands on these. Once the series is done, I'd love a boutique label to get their hands on these and right. really get us some good commentaries and some, because the special features on the discs, you know, Demonico's got some commentaries and they're fine. Uh, it's been a long time since I've gone through them, but I would really love like some serious deep dives. And I would love, I would love some actual academics to tackle these movies. Cause mm-hmm. I, think, you know, like you said, they're, they're smart enough to still be movies and still be goofy and fun, but there's in the tradition of the greatest exploitation movies from the seventies, you know, if, if these came out in the seventies, people would be all over them. Yeah. Like Victor syndrome would have released them and all the cinema <laughs> files would have been, you know, just, oh, how, how great these are. And, and they say so much about society, but because they came out now and they're put out by Universal, everybody's just like, ah, those movies are shit. Yeah. And I'm like, they're fucking not. They're fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. And in 20 years, when the Purge movies get their reevaluation, I will be 65 years old, retired, <laughs> sitting on my porch with a whiskey in hand going, I fucking told you. <laughs> like, these movies are great. I want <laughs> to dig into them yeah this these would sit in really well with romero craven carpenter type of movies like you could get something like assault on precinct 13 you know you could get some sort of day of the dead vibe you totally could get escape from new york mixed in um with um you know 
something sort of like a Rob, not Rob Zombie, but like something like exploitative like that um, in like the late eighties kind of movies were totally these movies would nestle in 100%. It'd probably be fucking as iconic as Halloween three's masks with the mask and the purge movies. Exactly. And I'm actually going to, cause I know she's going to listen. I'm going to say this, <laughs> Lindsay Wilkins, you and me mini series we go through all the purge movies because I, I, because absolutely, you know, every single purge movie, you can pair it up. Like you said, assault on precinct 13, uh, escape from escape from New York. You know, the first purge, you can pair it with cotton comes to Harlem or shaft or any number of, uh, black exploitation movies, the forever purge fucking pair it with desperado, you know, pair it with like there's, there is so much to die <laughs> in these movies. I, I know I'm I'm kind of going crazy. People are going to be listening to me now. And unlike most podcasts, folks that I'm on, I'm actually sober tonight. That tells <laughs> you how much I love these. Which is funny because this is the podcast most people come in sauced for. Yeah, no, I, well, I will say the last time I did schlock and awe, I got fucking sauced i don't even remember recording <laughs> the last part of that episode sorry lens and uh and and i decided i'm not doing that anymore so <laughs> well, i am stone cold sober and that tells you how much i fucking love this series and how much i think it's not getting the credit that it deserves uh these are smarter better more interesting than people are giving them credit for 100 and you know I didn't record this one in schedule because like I knew, Oh, there was a new purge movie that came out this year. I was just told because Mike Scott through the grapevine of our friends and networking that you are a fan of these. And then I was like, I'm itching to dive into a franchise. And I just so happen to have had this um, sitting on my shelf for a while. And it's like, yeah, let's, let's, let's do it. Let's see where it goes. And I did not expect it to be where I'm at today. And, uh, it is one of the divine blessings of the year for me when it comes to movie discoveries. Like I, the purge movies for me, I'm like, wow. Like I know the new one came out, but like, I haven't heard anything except negative connotations towards the purge movies for most of my time of knowing them. Do people not like these movies? Cause like, man, they're good. They're great. They're fun. They don't. Um, and I, I don't get it. I, you know, we, we are always talking about, we want, different movies or interesting movies or movies that have stuff to say. And it's like, these are all sitting right there waiting. And, and yeah, I mean, I've, I have, uh, our friends don't even particularly like these movies. Um, <laughs> and so it's one of those things where it's like, I, I'm, I'm out here like a new founding father. I'm spreading, <laughs> I'm spreading the gospel of the purge uh, because yeah, I, I don't get it. I happen to find these things. I mean, the idea, the concept of, you know, I know they're making a sixth one and that just has Ooh. me get like, I just, I want more purge movies. Um, and, and I do want people who are smarter and wiser than me to actually tackle them and, and get into them. Um, Seriously. I want to make, I want to make purging like the Karens of the world where it's, you know, eat, pray, love, you know, God bless his house. I wanted to say eat, pray, eat, pr eat, purge, pray, or something like that. And like, God pray, bless purge. the purge. I love, I love it. Eat, pray, purge. Yeah. You know, everybody that purges, it's all about, you know, God bless America. And so, yeah, <laughs> eat, pray, purge is beautiful. That actually, James DeMonico, I know you're not listening, but if you are, you need to have that like spray painted on a wall in the next one. Eat, pray, purge. Like, absolutely. <laughs> 
Um, but real quick though, was it? <laughs> um, is it a um, a red flag though? Because I know Jason Blum, you know, he produced it and stuff like that. But uh, Michael Bay also produced these movies. Is that a red flag or no? I don't know. No, because he he they produced them through Platinum Dunes, and if you know Platinum Dunes, uh, especially over the last ten years, it's really Andrew Form and Brad Fuller that run that. Um, Bay doesn't have a ton to do with it anymore, um, and uh, and so you know it's the guys that made a Quiet Place. It's the guys that produced a Quiet Place, ah. not not the guy that made you know thirteen hours and Transformers. So. I, I don't consider it a red flag. I, I consider it that the it, it's kind of like if you looked at, say, The Matrix and Joel Silver produced it, who's a monster, but it's still the fucking Matrix. Oh, yeah. Okay. Kind of that situation. I was kind of curious because I was like, Blumhouse, Michael Bay. And I was like, what? Was he was he writing notes to give to DeMonico about what to put in these movies? <laughs> no, because and then and if you watch the movies, you can absolutely tell because they're like the farthest thing from a Michael Bay movie, yeah, right? Like they're not even remotely close. Like Michael Bay's The Purge, is, and I am a Michael Bay defender, but I will still say I do not want to see Michael Bay's The Purge. I was like, bruh, you got your Transformer movies. Let other people get their own trilogies. Which I will say, the Transformer movies are kind of like The Purge for me. It's like the first one's meh, okay. Two is dark and weird, and I don't like two as much. But three for me is like that sweet spot for sure. But Three's the thing is, I don't. I don't I don't go on with the ter- the Transformer movies after three. <laughs> no, 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 nor should you. Because uh, then you get Mark Wahlberg, bro. Uh, <sighs> tells Optimus, say hi to your mom for me. Uh, but <laughs> oh man, I'm so glad you threw these movies at my uh, at me to watch and challenge me to watch because like I was so happy. They weren't even a challenge. It was just fucking butter to my biscuit i can't believe i said that but i can't really describe it. it's just so good to watch them i'm so um, glad you asked, man like i said i have wanted to talk about these movies for so long and i'm so i'm so glad when you reached out to me and were like hey i hear you like the purge do you want to talk about them like you should have seen the look the smile <laughs> on my face when i read that message i was like do i yeah so, <laughs> thank you so much man yeah no dude like you know if anything if this is an episode that encourages people during october to watch the purge movies you can totally get it done in a day you can only you got to do is just take one part one day not even a whole day just a couple hours out of your october just to watch this franchise and i think you you won't regret it um but yeah mike you know where where can people find you and hear that beautiful voice and those amazing opinions you have (laughs) so you can find me uh Personally on Twitter and Letterboxd at Hibachi Justice, you can find the podcast Adkins Undisputed. We are currently on a hiatus uh, because I'm just dealing with some stuff, but we will be coming back actually fairly shortly because there is a new Scott Adkins movie coming out the first week of November. So I will be back, if nothing else, to talk about that. Um, That's at uh, Adkins podcast, or you can just go to Linktree slash Adkins Undisputed Pod, and uh, you can find me there. Uh, I also have recently guested on. I've done two fairly recent episodes of Schlock and Awe. Uh, God love Lindsay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did um, 
the uh, I did High Noon, which is I understand a western that you actually like, uh, and on uh, Schwarzenegger's The Last Stand. That was a lot of fun. I am also part of Lindsay's, and I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'm going to anyway. Um, I'm also part of Lindsay's Evil Dead retrospective. Mm-hmm doing where uh we are pairing evil dead 2 with the raid uh because i am of the very firm opinion that the raid is a horror movie uh, as much as the purge are action movies the raid is a horror movie so <laughs> you'll hear me articulate that uh and i'm very sober for the raid it's just the evil dead 2 discussion where <laughs> I go a little off the rails, but I'm uh, not going to lie. Go talk to your little friend, Scott Atkins and tell him to get his ass in the casting calls for a, a purge movie. He would fit in perfect in those. He would be perfect in a purge movie. Absolutely. So make sure to throw that his way. So he, I, he, I, I don't, he's starting to get too big for his britches now. And you know, yeah, he, yeah. He's all in, he's in John wick now, you know? So he's all like, he's all like big shot now. So <laughs> uh, I'll make sure to, to text him that and put him in his place. Good, good. And make sure to just, I want to just randomly just text people be like, Hey, just remember all the good the perch does and just like end the texts after that from now on. Um, but yeah, Mike Scott, thank you so much for being on. If you're a fan of this uh, podcast and this episode, you can always follow us on Twitter at inside sequel or excuse me at sequel pod um, on Twitter. You can follow me at hertastic underscore Chris email the show at sequelpod at gmail.com for your opinions and your thoughts on what episodes we should put out. I always like to hear those. You can listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, everywhere where podcasts are played. Same thing as the Atkins Undisputed uh, podcast. Uh, but Mike Scott, man, thank you so much for being on here, dude. Uh, this was a lot of fun. This was so much fun. This was exactly as much fun as I was hoping it would be. Um, and yeah, yeah, it was great. Thanks, yeah, I, man. I, mean, I really cannot thank you enough for letting me talk about these movies. Uh, you know how we are, man. We just want to have a good time, get a little drunk, and then talk about some movies that don't get enough love or attention that they deserve, which we, I think we did tonight. Um, but yeah, I hope to get you on another episode. And uh, if for those who are listening, if you aren't going to be watching these Purge movies, do you really care about cinema? Anyway, I'll see you next time.